Well, as I say, we come to uh, one of the most sacred moments of the liturgical year, this great feast day of Pentecost. And I'll be honest with you, I, I prepared this homily a couple days ago. I had it pretty much set. And then I was watching TV as this great crisis unfolded in our country, this great social convulsion as our cities are going up in flames and this great, um, you know, crisis prompted by um, the death of um, George Floyd and then the, the ensuing anger around the country, all of that. But then as I thought about it, I thought there's something providential in the coming together of Pentecost and these events in our country. And here's why. Here's why. Pentecost is the Feast of the Spirit. And we just heard in the psalm that was declared. The Holy Spirit is sent out to renew the face of the earth. The Spirit's first great task is to create the church. That's why Pentecost is properly called the birthday of the church. Quite right. The Spirit gives rise to the church. But the church doesn't exist for itself. The church exists so that it might now become the vehicle through which the Spirit renews the face of the earth. And so an attentiveness to what's going on in our world now is of enormous importance as we reflect upon the role and power of the Spirit. So what I'm going to do in this brief homily is to look first at the church. Who are we as a church? Who are we meant to be? And then take another look at what's going on around us in our society. You know, and I'm going to something too that's a little bit unusual in this homily. This homily is addressed not just to Catholics, because I think especially on the feast day of the Spirit, we address all those who have been baptized. Every baptized person has been drawn into the inner life of God, into the relationship between the Father, Son, and Spirit. In the Nicene Creed, of course, which is accepted by Orthodox Christians, Catholic Christians, and Protestant Christians, we hear the great description of the church, that it is one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. That's what the Spirit accomplished. The Spirit created something, this new ecclesia, this new community, that is one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And when we understand that, we understand who we are. So let's take them one at a time. First, the church is one. But we find in the description of Pentecost a beautiful icon of this, I think. The apostles and the Virgin Mary gathered together in one place in prayer. That's a sacred picture of the unity of the church. The Holy Spirit is called the vinculum amoris in the great tradition. That just means the chain of love. He's the chain that connects the Father and Son. The Spirit is the love that God is. Therefore, the Spirit is always a unifying force. Origen, the Church Father, said, um, Ubi divisio ibi peccatum. Where there is division, there is sin. See, the Spirit is, is the opponent of that division. The Spirit's always a unifying force. And the great vehicle of the Spirit is the unified church. That's why, now mind you, I'm addressing uh, all Christians. That's why the divisions in the body of Christ are always scandalous. 
They always undermine our mission because if we're divided against ourselves, we can't perform the task we were meant to perform, which is to be a vehicle of the unification of the world. Now, mind you, this is not some sort of monolithic imposed uh, uniformity. I don't know, there's all kinds of rich diversity within the unity of the church. Think of all the different religious orders and schools of theology and different approaches to spirituality. Think of the personalities of the saints, how diverse they are. Nevertheless, in the unity of belief and purpose and action, the church finds its proper identity. And what is that? To foment unity in the world. The church is the means by which God wants to overcome hatred and division and violence. The church is the means for that in its unity. How beautiful that Jesus prays, you know, memorably, it's in John's Gospel. Father, that they might be one as you and I are one. That's, that's the great ground of the church's unity. May we be one just as the persons of the Trinity are one. Secondly, the church is holy. It's one and it's holy. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the measure that the church is filled with the Spirit, it's holy, with the holiness of God. And who's the Holy Spirit? The love that connects the Father and the Son. Therefore, to be holy is to be filled with love. I've said it a million times, those who've been following me. Love is not a feeling. It might be accompanied by feelings, but feelings come and go. Love is something um, tougher, more hard-edged. Love is willing the good of the other. That's the flag of the Holy Spirit, if you want. That's the sign of the Holy Spirit. In the measure that we will the good of the other, we are exemplifying the holiness of the church. Look, everything in the church is meant to produce love. Liturgy, the sacraments, the Eucharist, preaching, the witness of the saints, the sacramentals, everything is meant finally to conduce toward love. You know, something I must say I find kind of amusing, I, I sort of smile ruefully at it, I suppose. I work on the internet a lot. You know, our own work is there and I, I follow people on the internet. There are certain people who <laughs> claim to be, you know, deeply in love with the, with the Catholic Church and its doctrines and its rituals and its practices. I mean, terrific. But it's so obvious that they're full of hatred, you know. They're, I, I want to say, look, it, at least in your regard, these things aren't working. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. The flag of the Spirit's presence is love. Do you will the good of the other? Now, is that just for us? No, it's for the world. Tertullian's wonderful line, he was, he was reflecting on what he heard pagans say about the early church. How these Christians love one another. That's what struck them. That was what's, that's the Holy Spirit they were seeing. Because it's by the love evident in the church that love is meant to be awakened in the wider world. We're the instrument of the love of the Holy Spirit in the world. Um, everything else, in a way, is a footnote to that. Do you know what I mean? In, in the life of the church, everything else is secondary. It's about the fire of the Spirit's love in us. Thirdly, so the church is, one, holy. 
Thirdly, it is Catholic, we say. It has Catholicity. Derived, of course, from a Greek phrase, kataholos. It means according to the whole. The church is, by its nature, from the beginning, universal. Listen, even when there were a handful of people in it, I remember Omri de Lubat, the great theologian, said that even at the cross, when there was just the Blessed Mother and the Apostle John, the universal church was present. By its very nature, even, even that little group gathered in the upper room, at that moment, it was a Catholic reality. Because by its nature, it's meant, by its scope and mission, it is meant to include the whole world. Jesus says, go and preach not just Palestine, not just to Greece, not just to the West. Not, he says, go preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The whole world is the destination for the church. He also said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. Not some, not those in the West, not Europeans. Everybody. That's the Catholic nature of the church. Now, I know, I know. There's a terrible history around this, where sometimes people, frankly, alienated from the Holy Spirit, tried to affect this Catholicity through violence or through imposition. Well, that's, that's just a, that's a countersign. The one thing you can't do is impose the Prince of Peace on people. The one thing you can't do is through violence say, well, uh, become a member of the, of the Trinity, which is simply an expression of the divine love. I mean, so I understand that history, but it's repugnant to the meaning and purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, press this a little bit, though. Again, with the, with the mission of the church in mind. It's not just that we are, are universal in ourselves. We're meant to draw all of culture, all of society, all of the world into the power of the Holy Spirit. One thing you can't do with a Catholic church is privatize it. It's, no, it's meant to, to have an impact on the whole world. So church is one, holy, Catholic, and finally it is apostolic. That word, apostolic, apostle, derived from another Greek term, apostelene, which means to send. That's why post office, no, that postal is related to that word, to send. The original 12 apostles were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then they were sent. Don't stay in the upper room. No, no, once you're filled with the Spirit, out you go. And they begin from the first day of the church's life to proclaim to whom? Just their, their few friends? No, to the whole world. It's that beautiful description we had in the Acts of the Apostles. All these people from all over the place gathered in Jerusalem because the church is apostolic. The church from the beginning has a kind of expulsive or centrifugal force. Do you know what I mean? It goes out from itself. I always think here of Pope Francis, um, from the very beginning of his papacy, he was super strong on this theme. He said when the church turns inward, it turns into a kind of contemplation of its own inner life, it becomes weak, it becomes sort of rancid. The church is meant to go out. So Pope Francis says, go out from the sacristies into the streets. Go out from your life into the world. 
stir things up. And there's Pope Francis' language. Doesn't he say at one point, make a mess? Don't read that negatively. Make it as like, stir things up. Turn things upside down. Make a difference in the world. That's the apostolic quality. Okay, one holy Catholic apostolic. That's the church who we are, all of us who are baptized. From Pentecost on, that's who we are. And all of that brings me back, and I'll close with this, to a consideration of the time that we're going through right now. This, as I say, convulsive moment in our national life. What's the deepest cause of what we're going through? You know, so that it was prompted by this terrible event, by the, the killing of this, this good man, George Floyd. But what's the deeper cause? Clearly, the racism, both systemic and personal, that's bedeviled our country. I'll use that term kind of broadly because I want to go all the way back about 400 years. Bedeviled our country since around the year 1600 the slave trade, slavery in the South, etc. Progress made, sure, undoubtedly, over those centuries. And in some ways, that's American history is the, is the story of that struggle. Progress made, but yet, even after these four centuries, is there still way too much racial hatred, racism, again, both systemically and in the hearts of people? The answer is obviously yes. And here's what I want us all to think about today, all of us who are baptized into the Holy Spirit. For that long history, those 400 years, overwhelmingly the people of this country have been Christians, baptized people, bearers of the Holy Spirit, one holy Catholic apostolic, meant to renew the face of the earth, to bring the power of Jesus Christ out of the world. The overwhelming majority of people in our country, all during this long history, have been Christians. What does it say about the way that we've been fulfilling our mission? Now, I know, we're all sinners, you know? And this is one face of it. We know in the measure that race hatred still characterizes way too many people in our country, in that measure, we're not living up to our baptismal calling. In that measure, we are not doing what we're supposed to do, which is to affect a real divinizing change in our society. So, I mean, can I offer a challenge on this Pentecost as we rightfully celebrate the church? It's our birthday, and we rejoice in the church and all that it means. But can I offer a challenge to, to all members of the ecclesia? And again, I mean... Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, all of us baptized. Even as we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, let's renew our commitment to get out of the upper room. You know what I mean? Get out of the upper room. Get out into the world with the Holy Spirit. Light the fire of the Spirit's love in our streets, in the halls of government in the world of communication, in business and industry, in our schools, in the hearts of our friends and neighbors. That's the mission of the church. That's our job. The stubborn survival, it seems to me, of this awful cancer of racism in the body politic 
proves, and I say it to our shame, that we've not been the ecclesia that the Holy Spirit wants us to be. Let's find that identity, everybody. Let's find that identity and learn to live it again. We're one holy, Catholic, and apostolic.